Let's be honest, there's 29 NBA teams and then there's a G League roster with a few stars. They have a math problem offensively. Saturdays are the most fun day of the week. And with that, you get the most fun pod right here on the Athletic NBA show. It's called the Saturday Slam and Jam. You'll hear me, Andrew Schlecht, and my co-host Alex Spears break down the past week of NBA basketball bring on a smart beat writer to give you the lowdown on their team and then we have a trivia game Andrew versus the beat where I just try not to humiliate myself so when you're raking your leaves brewing your coffee or just taking care of stuff around the house listen to Saturday Slam and Jam right here on the Athletic MBA show right in your podcast space welcome to the Athletic MBA show on the Athletic Podcast Network Man, you tell them to keep having fun because everybody, you know, y'all played in the league. Everybody be like, oh, it's just a regular season, just a regular season. You're right, but you got to play the games that's in front of you. With a group that works like they do, the group that embraces some of our mantras. We talk about getting better every day. We talk about playing together. When you do those things, you end up on a stage like this. For our city of Milwaukee, NBA champions. Yeah. It's big time. They have a math problem offensively. This is Nerdish She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo Dekeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Hartnett. They have a math problem offensively. You see all these people? What? 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 This organization, what we, what we put together. You can't make this up. This ain't no It's Nerder, she wrote. I'm Gabe DeFour, joined as I am every week by Mo DeKeel. But Mo, uh, Seth uh, had some travel. Who the hell is this guy? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we got got to fill in for Seth this week. Uh, Good friend of the program, good friend of mine, Adam Marez from DNVR. What's up, buddy? I'm excited to be filling in for Seth. Not not sure sure I I can say an improvement, but uh, definitely taller. Better looking. Well, <laughs> I'll take that. Do you have a cat? I mean, listen, Do you yeah. have a cat? Is there a chance a cat can attack you mid mid pod? Unfortunately, no. Ah, a couple a of old dogs. All right. All right. Well, look. Before we get started, everybody, go to theathletic.com slash NBA show. If you haven't already subscribed to the Athletic, it's a great time to do it. Theathletic.com slash NBA show. Sign up for the Athletic. Get this podcast advertising free if you aren't already. Uh, Adam, we like to start this show off every week with our favorite thing from the last week, and it, not necessarily the last week, but just something we've been paying attention to or caught our eye. And you're the guest, so we figured we'd start with you. What is your favorite thing from the last week? The easy. I actually, I'm, I'm surprised you guys. The easy answer here would have been the Clay Thompson stuff, and I mean, maybe we'll get into it. But honestly, the, the vibe around the Warriors for that was great. But I'm going to go a little bit more. I'm going to try to be a little bit more unique. Nuggets play the Clippers this week, and I'm tuning into the Clippers broadcast. And Jim Jackson, Brian, is it Seaman? Did I say this right? He, they were fantastic. Had me cracking up the whole time. Nuggets were up 25 points at one point in this game, and they were hilarious. My favorite call of the night, Jeff Green gets a poster dunk. And they, unprompted, just completely off the top of the head, say, that man played for the Sonics. And I just thought it was the greatest way to say that's an old guy still dunking. <laughs> Maybe my favorite single call of the whole year. That's pretty good. You know, 
I feel like I don't catch a lot of the Clippers broadcasts. I, I catch a ton of Charlotte. Yeah, I, mean, I see really, a really lot good. of a lot of Hornets games anyway, and they're so often uh, I'm Central Time. So that 6 p.m. Central slot, it I means Charlotte, Orlando. They play a lot there, so I wind up hearing those broadcasts more than the the West Coast teams. Um, but if you haven't had a chance to listen to Charlotte, that's probably my yeah. favorite call in the whole league right now i mean del curry is amazing there's some good ones i remember it wasn't too long ago where i remember everybody was complaining league pass whatever you got a league pass game i can't stand i think there's a lot of good ones and i just like guys that can have have fun like that's a fun way of just talking about how old a guy is you're kind of laughing and by the way your team's the one getting dunked on but hey let's keep it moving let's keep talking hoops i loved it a lot of people complain about the Warriors guys. I don't know, man. Like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't do that. First off, it's it's the super homie ones that are that are massively a problem. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I, I I know Brian from my Clipper days. Great, great dude. Um, so I'm I'm happy to happy to hear that you're enjoying it. I do. That's the my home broadcast. So whenever I watch a Clipper game, that's what I'm getting. So uh, happy to hear it. Uh, okay, I'll go next. My favorite thing actually was a possession for the Bulls, a defensive possession in that game that they lost to the Nets. And it's just, you know, not a big deal. Okay. But I sent this to both of you guys because it, it, to me, illustrates how easy defense can be for a big, if you just pay attention, this is toward the end of the second uh, or the second quarter, right before halftime, Kyrie Irving has the ball out on the wing and he's being, you know, guarded up. And Nikola Vucevic allows his man to go to the opposite side of the court. Doesn't stay with him. He stays home while Kyrie is trying to drive. Obviously, they cleared out trying to get Kyrie to the bucket. He just did a good yeah. good job staying home, came in, stepped up, filled the void, contested, forced, it, forced Kyrie to pass out to the wing. Not only did Vuce cause the pass, he also contested the shot on the wing. Bulls get the ball and, you know, there you go. Just a good, solid defensive play from a guy where, you know, we we collectively, I think, as NBA media people, we're like, well, how are they going to have a good defense with Booch as their center? Uh, I, he does stuff like that. I mean, it's it's easy to see it, right? Well, I mean, he he, he doesn't do that enough, but it goes to the more important. <laughs> That's the problem. It goes to, to the more important thing, though. It's like, even if you're not a good defender, even if you're not a physically gifted defender, just be in the right spots, right? Like this is the argument of like, yo, JJ Redick, not as bad a defender as people thought because he at least knew where to be to muck something up. Right, right. And I think that's the important stuff that you're seeing. Like you, I'll give you a guy, Blake Griffin, his athleticism has completely left him for the most part. You know, every now and then, you know, he might get a dunk, but you could, you could feel the the cobwebs coming off him. Um, but the, but he's in the right spot. He's picking up a ton of charges this year and things like that. But he, they know enough to be in the right spots. And I think that's the thing Vooch has to get better at. I'm not expecting him to be a rim protector, not expecting him to even stop Kyrie more often than not at the rim, but be there. And I think that's the big thing. And I think that's what stood out on that clip more than anything else. I think so much of defense, especially for bigs, is just about knowing what is it the offense is trying to do. So on that cut you're talking about, it was Blake Griffin, by the way, he's gardening. He cut him through and you're thinking, why are they cutting him through? And if you just do that process, why is this guy going to the opposite side? It's for me to get out of the way. Okay, well, I'm not going to do that. They don't want to do the other thing. They want to get the ball on this side and keep it on this side. So I'm going to react to that. And that's half a defense is knowing why you're doing the things that the offense is forcing you to do. Yeah, and he essentially just zoned up, yeah. right? Zone defense is legal, and, and I mean, this is what we see with the the extreme drop from a lot of teams and stuff like that. Not that difficult. Uh, Mo, 
What's your favorite thing this week? My favorite thing is actually a press conference between Joel Embiid from the Sixers and Matisse Thybul was there on the podium. And uh, it's after the game against the Rockets. And he was kind of just praising the 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 guys like Thybul, like Maxie. You know, if you remember back, he had called out the team nine, ten games ago saying, hey, like, we got to shoot more threes. And he was killing Maxi, saying, like, yo, you're passing up on threes. You can't be doing that. Like, I'm obviously paraphrasing here, guys. So everybody, uh, nobody nobody kind of go completely nuts on me. But, you know, he, he even says to, you know, Thibault, you see what happens when you freaking shoot threes? Come on, man, shoot the three. You were great. That's how you respond to criticism. And the thing is, I liked it because he was saying, like, hey, like, it's my job as the leader of this team to call these guys out and 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 this is what we need as a team to win and you know and he goes and I want them to call me out when I'm not doing my job and I think that's an important thing in terms of a leadership step that we're seeing kind of the growth a little bit in Embiid that we probably haven't seen for a while I know he's been the leader but we maybe not necessarily a, a, a we don't know good or bad leader but that's a positive step in that direction how have you seen his offensive game grow in the last season or this well, I want him to shoot more threes. Uh, he's he's always pump faking. Uh, I don't know why. Just let it, just fire it, and who cares if you miss it? Uh, but you know, he's been great. Uh, you know, just being in the right spot, uh, and then obviously uh, we use him in the dunker a lot. And you know, if teams you know guard me, and you know they're gonna, I mean, if they're gonna leave him open, that's an easy pass. And. Uh, he's going to make plays, and although he, uh, he was wide open down there and he freaking passed the ball to the three, uh, I didn't understand it. Uh, I said, I'm oh, sorry. I was mad at it. Uh, can't believe it. But uh, he's been great, like tonight. Uh, he just made my job easy. Uh, you know, just, man. I'm just making the right uh, passes, and you know I'm trusting him to finish it. Uh, you know, been doing that all season, uh, and you know I'm gonna keep keep on finding them uh, if they're gonna send double teams. Joel, Joel, did you kind of do what you did to Tyrese a couple games ago? No, nah, I mean uh, kinda, but can be passing up openly, uh, wide open layups, and and stuff. So uh, you know I gotta. I got to put pressure on him and mm-hmm. tell him to finish it so he can be better. Uh, and I know he knows it too. So, uh, But, you know, he's been doing a great job. We missed him a lot, uh, especially on defense. He was amazing tonight. Uh, you know, defense like he always is. Um, so we need to keep on going. <laughs> it's been a while since we've heard a Shirley Temple joke about Joel Embiid. Right. Right. Like plain and simple. That's the truth. Right. Like we we treat him like a more serious player. And because, frankly, he's been more serious. Yeah. You know, he's been in better shape um, and, and maybe the, a little bit of better health has come along with that. That could be incidental. I don't know. But he's certainly like we know that he, he puts a lot of effort into everything he does. He's gotten better. You know, think about the criticisms that we used to have of him. Oh, you could rush him. You send a double. Well, he can't make the pass. Well, that's not a thing anymore. I think it's still, we'll find out if it's not a thing. It's still a little bit of a thing, but less of a thing. You better have, you better have like, you better be Toronto, right? Like you better be able to send the the Leviathan. I I mean, teams are getting more creative, by the way, just in how they double, but that's another part of this, but go ahead, Mo. Yeah. 
But no, but he's he's improved as a sure, passer sure. this year. I mean, to the point where it's like I'm seeing him make reads immediately as the double team's coming, not holding it. We've seen right. it for years of him trying to force actions. Right. And that's part of him yelling at these guys like, no, I'm kicking it out. You got to shoot it. Right. I'm kicking it out to you. This is, They're coming to double me. The only way we can stop that is if you make shots. Right. And if you're going to pump fake out of it and not take those shots – What's the then? I might as well take on the two defenders, you know. And he's averaging, I think, about four point four assists right now. It's a career high for him, which again, like, it's not a lot. Listen, you're spoiled. You see, Jokic, sure, he's sure. one of the best passers in the game. Forget as a big, as a, a just in the game. So it's it's in that sense. But for him, that's that's a big leap, you know. And it's a, even it's not even the assist. It's the the pass that leads to the swing swing right, threes and right. things like that and all that. He's a much more willing passer this year than he's ever been. And I think that's also one of the things I got a whole lot of spiel here on, on Joel and B. Well, hold on. Let me interject here because these two conversations we just had about him are actually really connected in an interesting way. The being able to read the double team better, but also, you know, encouraging guys to shoot and, and to take advantage because again, kick out pass doesn't always generate a shot. Usually it can generate a half step advantage, not enough to get a shot, not enough to get to this but you have to trust the guys you're passing to, to be able to take advantage and turn that half step into a full step advantage that results in a, in a bucket. And to do that, you need guys, even non-shooters that are willing to shoot. So they're a threat, but sometimes you also need guys who are willing to attack the hard closeout. Some teams are like, Hey, not a shooter. You run him off or he's a medium shooter. So run him off the line, force him to get in. You got to have guys that even if it's out of their comfort zone are willing to take that half step advantage and get into a discomfortable zone uh, and to make it a full step advantage. So that's why I like this. It's not just, is he reading it better? It's that the leadership aspect that it seems that he is getting better at is also maximizing the kickouts he was already doing. Yeah. And, and the other thing, cutting, right? right? Like there are guys like Thibel's not a great shooter. He's got a couple of dimes to Thibel who just cuts to the basket. You know, because right. he knows, hey, they're they're not going to respect my shot. They're, that's the guy who's usually going to double is his guy. So I'll just cut to the rim. And he's finding him there. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Well, I guess uh, this is as good a lead-in as we're going to get for one of our big topics, and uh, that's Joel Embiid. And Mo, I'm not willing to go out on a limb and say that Joel Embiid is the best center in the league. I still think that's Nikola Jokic. But you have a compelling case for Joel Embiid in the MVP conversation and at least that he should be mentioned. And I think you're right, man. I I I don't think we're giving Joel Embiid enough enough love for what he's done this season. Since Christmas, right? So 
the first game after Christmas, 12-26, he scored no less than 31 points, right? The the Sixers went on a, a, a win streak. They just lost to Charlotte, still dropping 31 points. He has literally a run of five games in a row, just 31s, right? And he's playing well, rebounded, passing, everything that's going along with it. You know, and I think there's that stuff. I think the a few weeks ago and it's way too early to talk MVPs and all that. So I apologize, but this is what we do. Um, everybody was like, you have to have Jokic in the MVP conversation. And I agree. Jokic is unbelievable. He's unreal. But if you're going to have Jokic in that conversation, I think you got to have Joel Embiid in there and just doing like a player comparison on basketball reference, right? 27 points a game for Yo- uh, for Embiid, 25.7 for Jokic. Like it's right in, right in range there. Jokic is obviously the better passer, seven assists. I mean, I think he's one of the best passers in the game, period. Already said that. The surprising thing is Embiid's shooting better at three than Jokic, 38.5%. Jokic is shooting 35.4%. Like, I think there's a lot of stuff there. I think they're I think Jokic is really good defensively. I think Embiid's better <laughs> defensively. I think there's just the for in terms of the importance to their team both massively important. And when you look at it this way with the Sixers, Embiid's missed 11 games and they only won three of them. They went three at right. eight in that stretch. Like it's a massive, like, I don't know how you have this conversation. I don't know why people aren't talking about Joel Embiid on a, on a, on a nightly basis. Besides to say after every Sixers game, I can't believe uh, uh, somebody on Twitter always goes, I can't believe the Sixers are, are wasting Embiid's season, but it's like, yo, he's putting up unbelievable numbers and the Sixers are winning. The interesting thing about the record stat is, so you said three and eight, basically, in the 11 games without him. That means they are 20 and nine with Embiid this season, which is, you know, basically <laughs> basically the best record in the NBA. I mean, I know you can do this for every team because every team has their top guy miss a few games. But I think that is part of what has disguised this season. We talk about who are the good teams, who are the bad teams. When you just look at when you have your best player, the 76ers are actually like a top three team in the NBA this season. So that that clouds it since they're sitting in that five seed right now. This was my argument for them trying to convince Ben Simmons to play. Mm, they were good. Right. And and their issues in the playoffs, it came from not being healthy, right? I mean, it, it, it exposes your weaknesses. And I'm not saying that Ben Simmons is a perfect player, but he's an all-star right. player. And that all-star player just is doing nothing for you right now. And you would be better with him than you are without him. But they'd be happy I, I to have him play. <laughs> they, they, well, they're now. not the ones. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> but you're right. Um, but the team is the team is surprisingly good. I mean, I think, you know, I thought Maxi was going to be pretty good. Um, I didn't think he would be as good as he is right now. This fast. He's so confident. That's been big for them. You, you know, Adam, you were talking about willing shooters. Well, that guy's a willing floater shooter, right? So he's putting pressure on the defense in, in odd ways that, you know, creating stuff for other people. But that that team has so many glaring, you know, weaknesses offensively. And Embiid somehow is able to just absorb those and and, and be this do-everything guy for them. He, he's, their, he's their best shot creator. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. He's, it's it's very similar to Jokic. He's their everything. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it, it, it is. I mean, they've got, got some guys that can put the ball in the basket. I mean, of course, Curry can knock down his shots. They got Maxie who's been playing great this year. But, um, you know, as far as just a guy that puts pressure on the team, 
every single night. And maybe this is one difference a little bit in between, say, a, a Jokic-type center and a MB-type center. Jokic is the system, right? Like, you you can run everything through him, and guys are playing off him. But you get guys that actually can't play off him. Just You keep you, you got guys like Afaku who can't really shoot the three or finish at the rim, so teams are like, all right, we're not going to guard him. Then all of a sudden, the system breaks away, and you can go to Jokic on the block. He's great there. But I think this is where maybe Embiid's a little bit different is even if you don't have anybody to punish you know, to space the quarter, to run this action or that action. He's so big. He's so physically imposing inside that even if you don't have proper spacing, you still feel the need to go and even foul him inside or, or put, put extra bodies on him in different ways. So that, that's one way that I think is really shining through with, with that squad this year. And let's not overlook what he does as a mid-range shooter. I mean, he's, he's so respected there that he really does put pressure on the defense at three levels. I mean, it's, it's, Odd to say about a big, but he does it. That's what got him in the MVP conversation and the MVP vote last season. That was the improvement, was how good he was from the mid-range. We weren't necessarily sure that would be something that would continue. It's been it's been that way, and it's it's a threat. And it's like now they can do things where they don't have to just post him up. They could put him at the high post. And with him being more willing of a passer in that regard as well, it's a little more dangerous, right? It's harder to double to the, the the high post in that in that area, and then it's it's if you do, he's gonna find the guy. He's he's it's really just I'm marveled marveling at how great he's been, and I'm surprised that there's just so little conversation about it, you know. And and and, and the whole focus tends to be like it's all like wait till they trade Ben Simmons. I mean, yo, they're a hell of a team now. Right. Now they may not, that might be a problem come playoffs. Like they might be down, you know, right, right. not having Ben Simmons in the playoffs or, or somebody to replace that is going to hurt come playoff time, but they're right in the mix. Like, you know, when you look at the standings, I mean, they're only four and a half out of first place, Yeah, you know, and, and, and they started the season eight and two and COVID ran them over. I think, I think a lot of this MVP conversation and guys like Embiid in particular, are they're just going to sort themselves out so much more over the back half of the season. I understand yeah. like the good conversation and it, it is important, I think, to bring guys on the radar that maybe have been underserved a little bit say, hey, this is a guy that pay attention here. But you look at their schedule now. We talk about that record with Embiid. Mm-hmm. They actually have a fairly easy schedule the rest of the way. They have six more home games than they do road games. This might be a situation where Philadelphia finds themselves as a one or two seed. And then the conversation becomes a little bit more natural in that regard. So a lot of this is early on season noise, one bout of COVID and a team goes three and eight or whatever yeah. it was you said like that taints the numbers when we're only 40 games in, you get into 82 games and all of a sudden everything becomes a little more clear. I mean, that's the challenge with this season more than anything else is the is the fluctuation. Like, you know, did you beat good teams yet? Well, who did they have in those games? My, that's my <laughs> favorite thing. We keep doing the stat of like, you know, the Memphis Grizzlies are uh, 12 and two against teams above 500. Yeah, but who were playing those games? Doesn't, that's that's right. really what matters. Nuggets have a great win against the Warriors. No Draymond Green, no Iguodala, no Poole. Like, okay, that doesn't really count as a win against the top team. Right. Uh, this seems like a perfect time to talk about trades, guys. <laughs> I mean, this is coming out on January 14th. Of course, January 15th, big date on the NBA calendar because almost everybody can be traded now. So uh, trade season officially open, and we got a trade before January 15th, which is nice. Uh, Cam Reddish traded from the Hawks to the New York Knicks. And uh, we knew he he was on the block, did not expect a deal to happen this fast. I thought he would be a guy that might hang around till the deadline. I mean, he's a young guy, pretty good. Uh, in the deal, the Atlanta Hawks receive Kevin Knox, Solomon Hill. Solomon Hill. Sorry, I don't know why I wrote Hill. Uh, 
I was thinking about Buddy Heald. <laughs> I uh, thought you were Solomon thinking wrestling, Hill. but you know. <laughs> no, no, I put Heald. Uh, Solomon Hill. Uh, Charlotte's 2022 first round pick and a 2025 second rounder. Okay. So uh, I guess let's talk about this first from the the Knicks perspective because it's the most cut and dry. They get a 22-year-old 3-and-D guy who I think projects to be pretty good at at least 3-and-D, can put the ball on the floor a little bit. But for me, I I love his defense. The offense is the part where it's like, well, I hope it all comes together. I like the flashes I've seen, but, you know, I need more of this. You guys with me there? Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out. Birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids. And honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys. And Peloton is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. No, no question about it. I mean, the thing that's interesting about him is he's just so young. I mean, he's 22 years old. He's younger than Chris, Chris Duarte. He's younger than Davion Mitchell. Uh, by the way, two players I absolutely love, and you're excited about their upside, even though they're older than Cam Reddish. So for me, I look at him and I say, is he – this is one of the more interesting things that actually happens in basketball every, you know, every era is you get a player who had a lot of upside who underperformed. And then you have to answer the question, why is that? Why didn't they reach and hit those marks? And sometimes it's no fault of an organization. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's just that circumstance didn't lend itself to whatever it was that brought out the best in this guy. And I think if you're the Knicks, you're hoping that Cam Reddish is the guy that everybody thought he was just three seasons ago when he was drafted as a very young super scorer who had the length and defensive versatility upside uh, to be this piece. So for me, I, I look at that now it's kind of a, you know, there are some, there was a, a first rounder that was paid. So how, how do you value that? He is also up for an extension. So you have to weigh all of those factors, but you look at it as just a raw talent thing. And I think, yeah, that's, a, that's a guy that, we've seen this story so many times where a player that had a lot of upside, it wasn't that they lost the upside. It's just that it wasn't unlocked in one situation. I think this is a home run deal for the Knicks. You know, I think first off we knew Cam Reddish was going to go for a first round pick at some point. Right. Like I think that was kind of, I mean, we, we knew this last draft, like there was rumors of, you know, Hey, the, the Hawks are trying to get another first round pick. They might trade Cam Reddish. Like there were those things going around. So it felt like this was coming eventually. I love the Knicks not waiting. Mm, hey, yeah. we like him. This is who we want. This is this is a this is somebody we think is going to help us. Didn't cost them much. They didn't get much out of Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox is a guy that might fit in what Adam was talking about as well. A guy who had some potential. People liked. Never really developed. Everybody, I, 
in New York, everything's a controversy, right? Like everybody's got a, a polarizing take on these guys, but like maybe he has a chance to kind of be something. I don't know what the plans are for the Hawks with him, but with Reddish, I think they're adding more athleticism. They're adding another defender who's going to, who Tibbs is going to love. And then a guy that can knock down shots, which is something they need. You know, it's kind of like worst case scenario. He's Reggie Bullock, right. you know, like, I mean, like for them, like in that sense, you know, and maybe that, just just more time you know and the situation in the Hawks everything you said was right on Adam you know situation in the Hawks very crowded backcourt very crowded uh front court you know they have a lot of guys and we kind of been saying they've got to make a two for one three for one trade and things like that I think that was the big thing and I think that was just seldom do we talk about the Knicks making smart moves well since Leon Rose has been there they've it's for the most part been smart moves by the you can kill I was going to say, by the way, you mentioned the early trade. Last year, the Knicks made the early yep. trade as well. So this is sort of an MO now of that front office to not wait to the deadline like almost everybody else does. Set, we'll set the market. Don't let it be a, a bidding competition and things like that, right? And, and, and I think, hey, that's the price. We can live with that. So it's a pick, you know, from Charlotte. Charlotte's probably a playoff team, going to be probably late in the in, in right. mid right. to late in the first round. It's not like, um, not saying you can't get value there, but still, it's not something that's going to kill them. And they're getting a young guy. It's not like they're, they, they traded for a vet to try to make a run or anything like that. I love it. I loved it for the Knicks. And I think for the Hawks, this is one of those that it's just like, okay, we're setting up the next. Like, I think there's two or three more moves coming from the Hawks at the trade deadline. And I think that's part of the reason why they were so willing to do this this early. Yeah, I mean, for the as a great point about that draft pick. I mean, for the Knicks, you're likely to get like I think Cam Reddish is likely to be a better player than whoever you were going to draft with that pick this year. Yeah, right. I mean, if we really want to do it, like you you talked about how young he is, they just just, just they're just basically taking the 23 year old kid. Right, right? right. It's like right. drafting a senior they, they, in college, yeah, right? It's, right? It's drafting a guy that can already play basketball. You, you know, it, and, welcome to the Memphis. You know, and, and, and had playoff experience. Has more playoff yeah. experience than some of the Knicks on the roster right now. And, and to be honest, man, that that first is, like you said about Atlanta. Well, all right, you saw this. This is the first of, of maybe a couple of deals for Atlanta. Uh, that first is going to be a nice sweetener. So, uh, you know, John Collins is on the block, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just Ben Simmons out there now, by the way. Lots of guys' names floating around. Damanis Sabonis, Miles Turner. Um, it seems like the market for for bigs. I mean, there's a there's a ample supply. Where is the demand? Right, though? right. That's interesting. That's what I can't figure out. I, like Minnesota is is very interesting to me because they could. I mean, Simmons would be great next to Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, you can see the fit. Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, uh, and Ben Simmons. Wow, that'd be crazy. Yeah. But like, can you, is there a team out there that's just so glaringly obvious for a John Collins? Man. I don't know that there is. I, I, it, it's hard, you know, and, and also mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, what do you sign? Five years, 125 million was the extension, right? Like big that's deal. a, that's a big number. And it's like, I like him, but it's like, how much do you like him? Right. It's right. a long, it's similar to like, it's not as bad, but it's like the CJ McCollum deal that the the Blazers signed him to, right? Like I like CJ McCollum. I don't like him at thirty something million a year, right? And it's, so it's like, how much do you value John Collins in that? Now, young guy had a great playoffs, can do some things. I'll be interested to see where he ends up and where the interest is. But like you're right, Dave. Like it's not an easy trade there, right? It's not like to find where the right fit is for him that makes the most sense. Like even. You know, there there was those talks of him in Philly, 
I don't even know how much him and Embiid is that a great fit work. to me. Like, yeah. I know he can shoot it and spread the floor a little bit, but he wants touches. You ain't getting that from Embiid. And what Philly needs is a ball handling guard. Right. That can that can really get him in offense at the end of games and hit some shots, you know? And I think that's why it's a challenging situation with that. But what I can see is this being a massive, massive trade, you know, three or four team trade, Simmons involved. I think there's going to be a lot of, I think we're heading for a monster, like almost reshuffling the deck here. For some of these, it's going to be a fantasy draft. They're going to throw (laughs) these names in a hat. Well, like, because if you just look at it in the standings, right? Like where you're at, like, Charlotte's seventh in the Eastern Conference, and they're five and a half out of first place. Like, that's not a crazy number. Listen, I'm not saying they're going to get first. I'm not saying they're going to make a trade to get first. But it doesn't mean they can't get into fourth, right? Like, Mm -hmm. they're right there, you know? They're they're, they're right in that range. It's it's all bunched up. And then when you look at the Western Conference, besides Phoenix and Golden State, you know, you have a small tier of Memphis and Utah. And then that's all bunched up after that, you know, and I think you kind of have like some team might just say, Hey, let's make a move. Let's let's, I think there's going to be an opportunity. Then you're going to have a smart team kind of jump in and say like, Hey, we're, we'll take the, we'll take the money of the deal that nobody wants. Just give us a lot of the draft picks, you know? And that's, well, I think shout out to Oklahoma. Portland, we're, we're, we're really kind of in a, in a situation. I don't think anyone anticipated, you know, Damian Lillard is going to be out for at least a while. Right. Right. So I think Portland, you know, obviously CJ's been out for a while. Um, Portland could be an interesting player. I know Mo, you you've got feelings on that. Uh, but Nurkic is a guy that could be moved. Covington could be out there, and I know these aren't like necessarily, you know, game changing players. But these are guys that are going to affect the market. And so, Mo, like this is this is setting up to be an extremely busy deadline. But I think a, a secret part of this is, and you guys correct me if you feel differently that there are more teams that feel like they have a shot at it right now for sure than usual. And and I think that that's why we're like, I wouldn't be shocked if Ben Simmons doesn't get traded. Oh, I don't think until the summer. I don't think, I I think that's, I think it's more likely he doesn't get traded than gets traded. I just think we're in such a weird place that, that we can't predict what's going to happen in the next month. Well, yeah. I'll tell you, that's really interesting when you start to talk about that, though, because I'm surprised to hear you say that, honestly, more likely to be traded in the summer, because I do think a lot of teams open up. And by the way, you mentioned Minnesota as the best landing spot for Ben Simmons. I've logged send this. I still think Denver's the best spot for, for Ben Simmons. I really think like if you think about what do you need, you know, Jokic is going to space the core. He's going to be able to take advantage of all these things. Yoke loves these big, big players, these big size cutters. Cause yeah. it's like giving him Randy Moss as a wide receiver. You just throw it over the top. <laughs> ben Simmons, the second best in the NBA at that under 26 years old behind only Giannis Attentacumpo. So to me, I do think it's weird because the timing of this hasn't worked perfectly for Philadelphia as much as it's wide open, one trade maybe pushes them over the top. But I do think one summer from now or next summer, the possibilities become so much greater for, for a big win. Right. I, I, I think the, my only problem with him in Denver is it's going to cost you, I think, Jamal Murray. And you're mm-hmm. not going to do that. And you shouldn't do that. And I will fly to Denver and slap you, Tim Connolly, <laughs> the entire front office staff of the Nuggets, if they were to include Jamal Murray. So then it's like, okay, so is it? Aaron Gordon's not going to get it done. We don't know what the issue is with Michael Porter Jr.'s back and 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 that extension. So that's a scary contract. Like you have a lot of stuff there that I'm not like sure yeah. Philly's going to really j- jump on. And and for me, their thing would if if they don't like the deals they see now, they'll wait. And and this goes back to what I kind of referenced a little earlier. Like I think people need to chill 
with all this like, hey, Philly needs to trade Simmons right now for whatever because they're wasting Embiid. And it's, listen, like the way I look at it is like, you're going to force them into a bad trade to try to win this season, but it might, it might hurt them and might hurt their chances the next three seasons. And everybody talks about Embiid's a ticking time bomb. Folks, none of these are natural movements. They're all knock on wood, ticking time bombs, right? Right. Like, you know, Clay Thompson had pretty much no injuries till he had the ACL injury and then he didn't play basketball for 951 days. Like if you're going to, if you're going to make a move because you're afraid your player is going to get hurt, yo, go be an accountant. This ain't a job for you. This is the, this is, this is a different story here. Like, so I think it's, I understand where, I understand where people are coming from with that and that thinking, but I think you're, they're thinking short term and Maury's thinking long term. And I think that's why I think this might go into the offseason and in the offseason around the draft. Things get wild around the draft, right? And then you have more trade demands in the in the uh uh offseason and things like that. You don't know what's gonna happen in free agency and somebody might be like, screw this, I want out or whatever. I think that's why that's why I think it might lead to it. So if he doesn't get an offer he really likes that thinks is gonna help them win a championship this year, he's not gonna take a bad deal. And we've said this as early as October. So it's not, and, and, and it's more, he's not going to change his mind. All right. Uh, you guys have any Tobias Harris takes as far as like trade availability? I mean, obviously like I'm not shocked that he's available. Um, this idea that, that he's going to somehow be packaged with Simmons just seems like, that's tough, who, man. who's going to, who's <laughs> going to do that? Nobody's going to, nobody's going to do that. But that to no. me signals that's when, when Maury doesn't like a deal. Right. Okay. I don't like who I'm getting back. I don't think it's going to move the needle that much. Then you got to take our bad money. Right. Right. And and, and Harris is fine. He's going to go sign Nene again so that he can package him into (laughs) into this trade. And and, and Harris is Harris is a fine player, just overpaid. Right. Like he's at best a third option on a good team. You know where I think he might end up, Dave. And 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 this is more just um, wild and reckless speculation because that's what all our trade talk is generally. I think he might end up in Oklahoma City. They're sh- they're way below the floor, the salary cap floor. And that's what I'm talking about. In a big trade, I could see them chiming in going like, well, we'll take that, but we need three draft picks out of that, right? And yeah. and and I think that's something that I, I – it wouldn't shock me. I'm not saying like it's – Like Shea Gilgis-Alexander? Or, no, no, but like they'll, they'll – they'll, I mean, are you calling this no, one in? No, I'm not saying they're moving Shea. I'm not saying it's a straight wow. up deal. I'm saying if there's sure, a sure, three sure. or four no, team deal – Type of deal. They ain't trading Shea. They shouldn't. And, yeah, I don't and, think so. And if they do, there'll be another rant coming, and then the next podcast can complain about me again. Um, but the uh, uh, I don't. They're not far off, man. They've got guys. They got. They, they've got guys. They're, they're short on the cap. They're low on the cap right. floor. They got at me. Yeah, yeah. But the other thing, the other guys, the stuff that's interesting, and this is something Dave, you kind of touched on. I think Covington's going to be a very valued piece by contenders. I think that's a team, uh, Phoenix might look at trying to, to add him to add some depth. I if think Brooklyn could get him Brooklyn, Utah, just adding another kind of like wingish defender. We know he's a better rotator than he is a, uh, uh, um, better uh, on the ball, but can shoot, can spread the floor as well. And things like that. I think that's a place where like the, Hey, the Blazers might just get a first round pick out of that, you know, just trying to get, you know, from a contender with him. I think there's going to be small things like that. I think, 
you know, I was, I was beginning of the year thought, Hey, Jeremy Grant might get moved. And now I think that's something that's a real possibility. If the right deal comes along for, I think we're in for heading for a crazy Sacramento, deadline. man. We didn't even talk about Sacramento is going to like, who knows what they're going to do got players, man. Like for a team that has just underperformed, they've got a lot of guys. When I watch them that I'm like, that would be valuable. And then you see the news, maybe Halliburton even could be, be had, which makes another guy. You wouldn't even anticipate that could be available. There's yeah. a lot of guys there to covet. It goes, right. it goes to what you said earlier, Adam. Yo, and, and this was my case whenever with the whole Simmons thing again, it's just teams get desperate. Yeah. Right? Did. Like let's just let's put it you this way. Did the Celtics think they were gonna be twenty one and twenty one and right. sitting at tenth and just right at uh, risk of not making the playing tournament? This is part of the reason why maybe you do wait in the offseason. Because what if they don't make the play in tournament? Forget the playoffs. Right. What if they don't yeah. even make the play in tournament? Yeah. They're not that's that's a that's a, a, a bad ankle away, you know, in in, in, in a tight race, you know. Do they start rethinking things? We, we're already hearing, can the two J's play together? That's always the start of this stuff, right? Like, you're, you, there's just all these things. Well, how many how many player meetings have they had this season? How many times have Emmy Udoka called the ballot? Like, it's a, it's a, yeah. it's a, it's 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 a weird the, vibe. But teams are desperate. The now. human part of this, <laughs> yeah. But teams teams are getting desperate. You know, Sacramento scoffed at the idea of having to trade De'Aaron Fox and Halliburton for Simmons. <laughs> How dare you? We would never do that. Now it's like, hey, uh, what do you think about that? And and maybe Maury might be like, ah, I don't really am not as interested. It's, it's this is the way this stuff works. It's it's wild. So I think teams will get desperate. I think we're going to see some fun some fun times here in the trade deadline world. I think Jeremy Grant is the guy who who could be a swing piece. Right? Like I just think from from a two-way player standpoint, you can have him guard the opponent's best wing and you can have him create some shots for himself if he needs to. And contract is easy to get. Me, like it's not that let much. Let me ask this the one question about Jeremy Grant, if somebody watched him up close for a year. Uh, are, we, <laughs> yeah. are we certain he can do both? The, the things he did in Detroit and the things he did for like Oklahoma city and Denver. Cause I'm not sure. Well, I mean a lesser version, maybe a well, lesser version of like the offensive part with a decent amount of the defensive part that we used. My to only point is we haven't actually seen him balance those things. You went from being a player. That's like, okay, this is my lane. I'm staying in it. And then all of a sudden a player that's like, okay, I have no lane. I get to go and explore everything and do that. And I just don't know. We've ever seen the balance of that. So I would be a little bit, suspicious that to be play. fair on the defensive part i don't know how much we can judge him in detroit because i mean it's a, you know they're but, awful but it's a different role what I'm, if he goes to, what i'm talking about right, is if he goes to philly it's a different yeah because now all right? of a sudden you go from being a guy that really has no limitations like you can do what you want there's no bad shots we're going to give you all these different plays and calls to a tie that's like hey you're not actually getting maybe once or twice a stint we're going to call that thing you like where we do this and then you get the ball but we need you to go back to, and you have to balance those things i just said I'm saying it's rare for any player to be able to balance those. Maybe the best example of this would be like an Andre Iguodala, right? Who could be a, a number one guy. Then he goes to be in the number six guy and it works. I'm just saying, I don't know that we've seen that from Jeremy Grant that he's proved to be able to do that. So I'd be a little suspicious that you're going to get the best of both worlds. I, I think teams are trading for the Denver version of Jeremy Grant. The contenders right. are. Right. And I think right. Jeremy Grant is understanding that, Hey, <laughs> I can be a 25 point scorer on a completely crappy team and, 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 and no offense to Detroit, but like you're bad. Right. Um, and, 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 and be a team that's going to be in the lottery. Like I can score a ton of points and be great. Or I can go back to what I'm doing and then you'll have flashes. You'll have nights where there's flashes. I'm going to throw one wild thing out there, Dave. 
because while you guys were talking, I was playing on the trade machine. Trade machine has become okay. something I play with a lot. This is stupid. This is dumb. So teach me how to use it. Um, I'm awful. Um, well, you just keep clicking till it works. Um, Which one do you use? I, can we I, can we plug a, a good small website? Is there one? Not right now. Um, okay. You know the uh, uh, what would happen if the Warriors traded for him? Jeremy Grant? Yeah. Um. I, I mean, mean you're, that's a, you're, you're, that's another that's another wing. You're trading, I mean, you're trading young guys. Small you're, ball you're trading guys, right? You're trading your young guys. You're trading Wiseman, Kaminga, Juan Toscano, Anderson to make the money work. I know Warriors fans probably all just are ready to hate me and 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 ready to come down the uh, the the five freeway to to come at me. Um, but like, if you just think like you're starting, just think about your lineup, your your end of game lineup of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins. Uh, Jeremy Grant and Jeremy Draymond Grant. And, and Draymond Green. It's an incredibly versatile. You like lineup. that better than Miles Turner? What's that? You like that better than Miles Turner? Because I see when when you say Wiseman and Kuminga, it feels like Jeremy. Like, is Jeremy Grant gonna be? Are, are you gonna be able to get Jeremy Grant with? Wiseman and Kuminga. I don't know if that. I don't know if that's going to move Detroit. Like I said, right. this was wild, stupid, and I thought about this in two seconds. So yeah. you know, it's not like I put major, major thought into this one, Dave. Not like some of the ones I've texted you in the past. Oh yeah, no, no, no. no. But I like the idea here. So like when you're thinking about Detroit, and, and I think that this is this is important, right? Is look at where they are in their process. So that's actually not a crazy trade. It, it, now, I'm sitting here thinking about it. I was they're like, getting, okay, they're getting a lot big. of young guys. Let's yeah. figure out. Where where we are we are young, that's what you're going. Mm-hmm. And when you're trading Grant, you're trading to be to get to young. You're not you're not yeah. or or draft picks or whatever. For the Warriors though, for the Warriors though, wouldn't you prefer they went and got uh someone like Miles Turner? I mean, yeah, but if they if, if let me just say Miles Turner's been out there this whole time. If they're not if uh, there hasn't been much there in 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 that way. But like Grant's an interesting one because now you go back to the. The, the the super small death ball lineup that they've had right the the death they've start. already got Otto Porter Jr. Yeah, you know, I, I think man. I think Grant's an upgrade over Porter. Like that's listen, I like what Otto Porter is doing, but I think Grant's a way up bigger upgrade over that. Porter, so you're talking about JTA as well. There's an interesting thing with the Warriors, and that I just think their connection is so incredible right now. Like the way they play, the way those guys trust and move, and 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 all share one brain when they're out on the court. And disrupting that, I, I agree. Jeremy Grant is a, an upgrade over all those guys by quite by a, a large margin. But I do wonder if you're trading in a bunch of guys that have really just found the right wavelength, including and JTA is the biggest piece of this for me. Where I'm like, that guy just he gets it as much as any low role player gets it in, in that system. I, I don't know how much how many minutes JTA would get in the playoffs. Mm. Like, let's just 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 look at it that yeah. way. Like, I don't know what is. His numbers is playoff wise, right? And off the bench, you're going to have Jordan Poole. He's not playing ahead of Jordan Poole, right? He's, you know, you're going to have Damian Lee. You're going to have Iguodala. And we know Kerr's going to trust Iguodala, I think, more than JTA. I think there's a lot of like that stuff. And then in terms of the, you're giving up two young guys that like, I love Kaminga. I think Kaminga is going to be really good. But like, you're giving up two young guys that it's like, first off, Wiseman, I have no idea what he is. Still has a ways right. to go, yeah. right? Like, he still has a ways yeah. to go. We haven't seen him. Everybody keeps talking about him like he's going to be this massive piece for the Warriors. We talked about him with David Thorpe and, uh, a while ago, and we're, I was like, yo, he's got to play in the G League for a while. Like, he's got to, they got to figure out how to use him. And I think that's something that, in a sense of like, I, I think it works. And I think Grant, with his cutting, I think he has enough IQ with that stuff, playing with Jokic, kind of understanding it's, it's not that different. 
just moving and screening and things like that. You're going to be open, set the screen, flash to the basket, pop out, things like that. I'm kind of talking myself into this one, guys. I don't know. Listen, this is wild as reckless. I don't know if it's real, but I kind of, I kind of like this one. I'm lower. I'm lower on Jeremy Grant than I think a lot of people. And and some of this has to do, I mean, honestly, just some of this has to do with, he's got a couple things working for him. He's a really good shooter and he's got the perfect body. You look at that and you think, Oh my God, so long. He's so mobile. He do this. And Sometimes I think you take that and you extrapolate what you think that translates to like, Oh, he can guard anyone and he can he play all these different positions. And I just, when he was in Denver, I felt he was a little less versatile than I expected given his basically physical perfection for being a switchy versatile player. Yeah, maybe I, I my concerns are just, you know, what happens if you run into a team like Phoenix that has monster centers, but that's, you know, and, and it's all you've got is loony. Yeah, and I think, but that's that's where you, you're basically you're basically saying, hey, we're just going to play five out, and our five out will be good enough to hold you off. And and listen, the one thing I I like DeAndre Ayton, he doesn't play with enough force, man. Like it's not like he's right, he's right. not a he's not a powerful big. Yeah, I want him to be a powerful big. He has the body type and everything, but it's not like he goes up for layups a lot more when he should be going up for dunks. And that's you know it's it's I think. So for the Warriors, if you're looking at that, you're kind of like, hey, like we're and you're going back to what made the Warriors special with with a move like that in that sense of like, this is what put the Warriors on the map in 2015. It's a wild one. I don't think I don't even think it's at all real. I'm going to, you know, I haven't fired up NBA 2K in a super long time, but I might just do it to see what it looks like. But listen, guys, I don't want to I don't want to end the podcast here on two much of a nostalgic and positive note but i want to remind you harrison barnes available for trade and right up the road he wouldn't have to move very far just throwing it out there just throwing it out there we know he can guard wings we know he can get to the free throw line now harrison barnes would be pretty good with the warriors that's gonna do it for this week folks thanks so much for checking us out adam thanks for coming on everybody check out the work that they do over at dnvr it's the best denver nuggets coverage that that you can find uh, for my money uh i love the podcast they have a great time over there so go and check that out don't forget check out mo over on twitch twitch.tv uh slash mo the keel underscore nba just like on twitter so go and check that stuff out i'm dave before for adam and mo hope you guys have a great weekend we'll be back next week with another episode of nurse she wrote